Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Full Service Radio. Hello. (laughs) That's what I'm giving right now. It's a special day. Welcome, everyone. Hello. Welcome to the BDRKO. I am your host, Professor Noir, and we are broadcasting live on Full Service Radio from the Line Hotel in Washington, D.C. This is your fashion history comedy podcast, and I have a special guest back again to continue our lovely, thrilling conversation that we were having last week on... uh, Black beauty, but specifically the history and lore and allure of black women and their hair. Miss mm-hmm. Allison Lane. Hi. On the ones and the twos. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for having me back, Professor Noir. It's so good to have you. Thank you so much. I would say it was definitely a spirited conversation. It was spirited. It got quite spirited. We got into like a fist fight outside. We started pulling hair. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized that Allison has several layers of hair that yes. I had to get through to get to the scalp. Um, no, I'm just joking. We did not. We don't ever fight. Never. We actually. I don't think we've ever really gotten into a fight. I don't. I wouldn't want to fight you. Um, I don't think you would. No. I'm just not even gonna. <laughs> like I. I would not. I would not. Because I feel like secretly you have a bay hive of your own. I'm not. I will not comment on that. <laughs> I will not comment. I will not confirm or deny that. Could have deny my best phrase, my favorite phrase ever, or yeah, someone's, or someone saying to you, "Prove it." See, that's that's when you don't want to do. Prove See, it. what you don't want to do is this. What we don't want to do. But no, I'm happy to be back here. Glad we don't get into it. We don't. Unless we need to get into it. Unless we need to get into it. I think we almost got into it another time. When we were like having a conversation, but that wasn't really getting into it. We were just having another spirited conversation. I don't think that the only. I think so we, we just got like, loud. We probably just got loud. <laughs> I think we just. Or got we loud. were drunk, like yeah. one of the two. I think we were drunk because it was at a bar. Then yeah, we were drunk. <laughs> <laughs> it'd um, be like that. <laughs> it'd be like that. Um, well, again, this is your fashion history comedy podcast where we love to laugh about all the wonderful, tragic things about history and fashion. Not really tragic, but I like to laugh about history when I tell stories about history and when I like speak about it or even debate about it. I really do. I like to I like to have a chuckle cuz people have always been crazy. I was like, yeah, cuz history always tells you that it's always trial and error. It's always ooh. It's always trial and error and everybody's dumb as shit. Like everyone's dumb as everybody's shit. Everybody's dumb as shit. Like every time that you have any sort of like low self-esteem issues or you feel like you're not going anywhere, just remember that nobody knows what they're doing. 99.9% of our greatest discoveries are by accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always by accident. There's like no science to it. You're not doing well. There's not, the science, <laughs> science is experimentation. I think that people forget that. It is. You know, is that it's not always exact. That is experimentation. And that with experimentation comes an outcome. And that outcome may or may not be true. <laughs> Whole guess. lot of failure. I was losing that one. <laughs> There's a whole lot of fil- see there. There we go. There was an experiment. Yeah, there was an experiment, and it went somewhere, and it did not go where I thought it and was. It, <laughs> but we now proven that factually, I cannot complete a thought. Proud of you. <laughs> How about that caffeine? You should probably get into this. It's just a little little dollop of that. People have a little boop bop. So the reason why I start off saying this is a special Friday because it is Pride in DC. Yay! As a performer. I am tired already. 
Wow. Like, I'm already worn out. It's rough. Like, Are you having a good time getting paid? I am having a good time. I am getting paid. Get them coins. Date your ass off. Well, I'm getting partially paid. And I'm them still, outfits. Still waiting for one more payment, but, you know, I trust them. Um, Is this your glow up? It's not my glow up. <laughs> Hold on, I'm, I do need to have caffeine, people. So right now, since you can't see me, I'm slowly inserting the straw into my iced maple oat milk latte. <laughs> iced maple, huh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a full-on fucking breakfast right here with oat milk. It's okay. A, it's literally oatmeal as a liquid. <laughs> I could see. I have a cookie and iced tea. Like I'm a. I wish I was you right now. I can't eat solids. I tried. <laughs> I tried. I need to like so yeah. It's Pride in DC. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone's been to DC Pride, it's it gets better every year, in my opinion. Um, fashion wise, slowly, <laughs> people do. You know what I will say about Pride is that there's so many wonderful things because you do get to you start seeing people that you've never seen before, yeah. and you like meet new friends. You're just like. You've lived in D.C. this entire time for Everybody years. is your best friend at Pride. Everyone is your best friend. Your best fucking friend. I think Pride, uh, Pride Parade in particular. Yeah. Everybody on P Street is your friend. Everyone, everyone on P Street and 17th Street is, is your best your, friend. Is your best friend. And then I think the other uh, gay event that everybody is your best friend is the High Heel Race. Yes. I was going to say MAL, but that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> not familiar with that, but uh, the High Heel Race in October. Yes. You go there. Everybody is it's at night. All yeah. these bars are out. Pride Halloween. Everybody starts running. And then I don't know what happens. You've made a thousand best friends. Yeah. You've made a thousand best I friends. I was holding hands with strangers. I went to like four bars. Like yeah. it was. High Heel Race is always, it's one of my favorite events. Yeah. And for people that don't know what High Heel Race is, it happens the week of Halloween in D.C. And it literally is a race of, um, is it just men or is it men and women now? Everybody. Um, not, it's not everybody, but anyone. Who everybody wants, in heels. Anyone who wants to participate or enter, you run down 17th Street, which is the historically gay district of D.C., and you run down 17th Street in these high heels in a race, and you win like $1,000 if you win first place. And <laughs> historically, people have broken ankles <laughs> and wrists. Um, they did it in the rain a couple times, which was really epic. They did that fucking race oh, in the rain. Oh, my God. That's before I had a blowout, so I didn't give a shit. <laughs> so you know I was there. Well, it's, it's part a race, and it's also part a fashion walk, because there it are is. just some queens that just walk down the street. Yeah, well, because... And we crawl in down the street. People also bring, like, the wildest costumes. One of my favorite is... And I know some of these people... Um, but one time, this group of people, because there's a group of people that do like a group costume. One time, they did Cell Block Tango from Chicago <laughs> with the actual cell. Oh, my God. And the lights and everything. And it was like on a platform that moved. So In they, the race? Yes. Wow, that's really disruptive. That, <laughs> <laughs> that is truly disruptive. Wow, that's really disruptive. <laughs> they clearly have the home training. It's not all about them. Uh, like, what if somebody behind them actually wanted to race? See, this is why, Sorry about it. This is why you are a black woman, no matter what. <laughs> Not even like, that's so cool, but like, that's really disruptive. It is. Other people need to race. Listen, I, I know I come off as a wild woman. like <laughs> A loose woman. Just a loose woman doing the things, but like, I respect some of the rules. Like, don't obstruct anybody else from trying to get ahead. That's honestly just like a life truth. Like, I'm going to let you do you, but like, I'm going to try and stay out of your way. <laughs> You're Not so have sweet. a giant like cell block just blocking <laughs> your so entire street, causing trauma you know? <laughs> to all the black people. Exactly. 
Now the jails are moving. Fuck. Fuck what do we do? <laughs> They're coming after me. <laughs> they want me to spontaneously dance. Oh my well, god. They've also this group this group of people have also done the next year, which is one of my favorites, was the view with the table in the background. See, they're just... Dis- and it moved as well. It was the best. It was the best. Disruptive. <laughs> it's the best. Again. Desk. <laughs> Not practical. <laughs> I'm with that, though. But, uh, yeah, listen, you were saying, like, the LGBTQ community here in D.C. is... They go nuts. Thriving. They're thriving. They got monies. They ain't got no kids. Well, some of them got no kids. Some of them were getting kids. Yeah. But they still got a lot of money. A lot of money. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Tons of fun. Tons of fun. Um, so Pride is happening. I am performing so much. I'm performing tonight at Echo Stage. We sold out Echo Stage. That's amazing. I'm super pumped. Was um, it like a 6,000 person venue? I think so. Something like that. A couple thousand. Yeah. Um, I'm opening for the headliner. Okay. Miss Vanjie. Miss Vanjie. Vanjie. Miss Vanjie. <laughs> um, and then tomorrow I am performing at Hips, the fundraiser. It's going to be at 10 Tigers. Then I'm going directly from there to trade. Mm-hmm. To host and perform, I think. I think I'm performing. Okay. So far as I know, as I'm emceeing, but you know, I always whip out a show. Um, and then Sunday, um, I have a feeling that I have something to do, and I can't remember what it is. And I keep looking at my calendar, being like, but I didn't write it down. On so Sunday? that's not helping. Yeah. There's a ball at U Haul. That's what I was going to. Yeah. I think I'm involved There's in the ball. There's a ball at U Street Music Hall uh, with Vaughn and yeah. somebody else. Vaughn. Mm-hmm. With Vaughn. I'm excited. Oh, a bunch of uh, Baltimore Club DJs. DJs, yeah. Yeah. I'm really pumped about that. I love Baltimore Club music more than I love myself. Ooh, really? Yeah. That's it's a just, hardcore it, like, here's love. The thing. Because it's, it's, it's well, if we wanted to talk about fashion and how it kind of relates to black Let's people. Let's talk about fashion. Like... I also have a comment uh, about fashion and pride after that. But like, think about like Baltimore Club, Chicago Club, or Chicago House Music, uh, Bounce Music, Sissy Bounce. They yes. all are like so connected. Yes. And they are so black. Yes. And they are so gay. Yes. It well, is fantastic. And the clothes, when you're talking about the fashion element, the clothes right. also adhere to the space as well. The culture. Yeah. I, around it. I think it was about six years ago, I wrote like a little blog article for this fashion blog about nightclub fashion Mm -hmm. and they were really surprised about what I wrote about because they were like oh we thought you were going to write about drag and stuff like that I was like well no I mean like that's there's so much more there's there's other people these women are so severe right now this is a fishbowl people that we recorded and people walk by in this glass box and these women they look at them severe not those shoes though but the rest of it was severe it was just an all black outfit I just saw she was just walking real slow with very red hair oh and just sunglasses, like time just stood still, you know, in 1991 with a Jill Sander catalog. That's just me, okay. Okay. I hate I you. Like, I, hate I, don't, you. I, don't, I was like, I don't know who that is. I hate you so I'm much so right now it. just for leaving me in there. Listen, it's your show, and I just want to I wanna support you in it. I want you. <laughs> I'm not trying to hold you <laughs> Whatever back. Whatever the conversation goes, I'm with it. But what I was saying about nightclub wear is that it's interesting. There's like a whole trajectory on how the music also played in how people dressed mm-hmm. and how clothes developed and trends developed. Um, for instance, how dresses got shorter, not just because of the war in the 40s, because of rationing, but then the idea of swing music being developed and how that higher hemline stayed around because of music becoming more involved in terms of the dance and what you're doing. 
Okay. Um, so that was happening. Then you got to have loose knees, honestly. You got to have. Lo- <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're saying, right? You got to have loose knees. You said that, I not did. me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, especially even in the 70s, where you have the rise of disco, which was coming out of like black nightclubs. Correct. And or, not and or, but a, as well as gay nightclubs. Because a lot of black DJs were also playing in gay spaces to get more jobs. Um, and so you had the sharing of disco and that, sound, that early sound of disco happening. So it's happening especially in these sweaty clubs where, again, the clothes had to adhere to the music and to the new culture of the music. And so that's when people actually start dressing casually. And that's when you, also, that's when you really start seeing people wearing jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah. To the club, which is what people wear now. Which is really funny. I just thought about uh, the early days of hip hop coming off of disco when they were still sampling disco mm-hmm. and everybody was still wearing them short ass shorts. Yeah. Yeah. But you had to break dance and I'm using air quotes here. You were break dancing. Yes. No, loose knees. Honestly, loose, loose knees, knees is about fashion. That's, that's <laughs> I think that's a new episode I'm going to have to do called Loose Knees, and I want you to join me on that one next time. I want to bring you back in a month or two. We're going to do an episode called Loose Knees. And go into that. I, I have so many comments. Talk about some hemlines up in this bitch. An episode <laughs> only about hemlines, which I think would sound like the most boring thing ever, but calling it loose knees, you got me. We're high-fiving people. By the way, your nails look beautiful. Thank you so much. I lo- are those your real nails? Uh, I have acrylics over my nails. Okay. Um, but you have beautiful I, nail beds. Thank you. Why do you have acrylics over your nails? Because you have I'm a bartender. Beds. Oh, that's and, true. Uh, getting your nails done every week is expensive. Yeah. Well, that's why I do my own. Yeah, I don't do that. I'm still luxurious in that regard for this. Girl, I bought the lamp. Listen, <laughs> I say you weren't. This is my luxury. That's <laughs> like you ever come to my house? It is a full spa. Oh, you got a lot of shit going on. You you are treating yourself at home. Yours is just like I know, it's just it's it a is whole sanctuary. Level. It's a whole other level. <laughs> right now, we're really into stargazer lilies. So my house just smells like perfume every See, time you walk in. Mine just smells like. Are you single? And are you like, what's going on here? No, we definitely smell like rich white women. <laughs> just old and rich. And wealthy. Just wealthy. Just wealth. And with it. You know? Well, let's take a little break. That's been mm-hmm. some laughs. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm so weird today, people. Please forgive me for my weirdom. Um, every now and then I will have these moments, especially when I'm having a lot of performances in a week. Um, but nonetheless, we're going to take a small break. I'm going to have some more of this coffee and hopefully I'll get my shit right. And we're going to come back and we are going to talk about not just the allure of black women's hair, but we're going to go into the black hair care world and specifically our founding mother, Miss Ma'am CJ Walker. So we will be right back, everyone. Delightful. Music, sex, music. Boom, boom, 
That music was really cunt. I really like that. Let's do that next time. That was really sexy. I'm sorry. Did you just say that music was really cunt? Sorry. Yes. Thanks. <laughs> this is your show. So I want to clarify that that is a slang that we're using now. An adjective to describe things that we like. That music was really cunt. This is a very gay show. No way. That's a very gay show. So This is the first time I'm hearing of this. this. <laughs> Who's gay here? <laughs> oh my gosh. I really see I'm glad that you're here today. I really am because you're helping me get through this. Um class, I do apologize. Sometimes every now and then Professor Noir just needs to make a Friday a movie day. But today I didn't do that. I decided to come in and teach you all. Um, but nonetheless, one of my favorite African-American icons of all time. Allison Lane, thank you so much. I'm right here. DC D-list celebrity. You're hearing my voice. Oh, my Just God. kidding. I told you, fashion history, heavy on the comedy. Heavy on the comedy. Um, so we're here to talk about, again, one of my favorite... African American histor- historical icons. You know, she want to call yourself old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> historical icons, Miss Mam CJ Walker, in this episode of the Beauty Archeo, the Fashion History Comedy Podcast, called The Curl is in the Puddin'. Mm. Mm. I do love me some curly puddin'. Um, Madam CJ Walker was born Sarah Breedlove on December 23rd, 1867. Oh, yeah, girl, she had to change that name. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Near it, it just don't hit the same, honestly. I mean, no, it definitely hit something. It hit something. I was like, Sarah Breedlove, who the fuck, yeah, girl? That's, that's, a, that's a porn name waiting to happen. It probably is. Like Johnny Breedlove. I'll just Google it and see if it is. That's you, my you new could... porn name, Johnny Breedlove. Um, so... <laughs> Miss Mam C.J. Walker and or Sarah Breedlove was born on December 23rd, 1867, near Delta, Louisiana. After suffering some scalp ailment that resulted in her own hair loss, she invented a line of African-American hair care products in 1905. You know what? You better bring this to this show full split. You better bring this show full circle is what I was trying to say. <laughs> With trial and error, her scalp was fucked up yes. and she was like, you know what? Solutions. Yes. I yes, got them. Yes. I'm sorry. Um, no, no worries. I uh, like interrupting the class like actively. I am I am that desk going down 14th Street, <laughs> disrupting progress. <laughs> like I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm very sorry. You're being that costume right I now. I am being that costume right now. She promoted her products by traveling around the country, giving lecture demonstrations, and eventually established Madam CJ Walker Laboratories to manufacture cosmetics and trained sales beauticians. Okay. Her business acumen led her to become one of the led her to be one of the first African American women, if not American women, to become a self-made millionaire. She was also known for her philanthropic endeavors, including a donation toward the construction of the Indianapolis YMCA in 1913. Thank you for your class, everyone. Thank you for your time. This is this is the show. So I'm joking. <laughs> um, but hey, Charlie, that's a cute outfit, girl. That's a cute outfit. It's that fishbowl again. Just seeing everyone. Um, but Mam CJ Walker, for just for a little, that was a little brief introduction. Mam CJ Walker. She is known as like America's first African American female millionaire. Um, I want to say there was one male um, black millionaire right before her. Um, so she didn't get that full title of just being the first black millionaire, but sometimes people do refer to her as the first black millionaire in America. 
Um, she is known as a pioneer for black women's hair care. And it's interesting because there are also other people doing this at this time. Um, there was another woman who I, right now, am, I was researching Madam C.J. Walker for the past week, just like building like little tidbits. And the one woman I was also trying to find, I cannot find her name. So while Allison is sitting here listening to me rant, I'm going to ask you, Allison, can you Google the other African-American woman? <laughs> Do you know the other woman's name? <laughs> for me, please. Yeah, I'll look around. Um, because like, I, it was, I was pulling out my hair and I wanted to make sure I get my information down for Madam C.J. Walker because I could find it. Um, but Madam C.J. Walker really created the idea and the industry around hair care and not just the industry around and not just that. She really created the she really created hair care being something hair care products being something that was sold to the public for to especially women. So for a very long time, a lot of people were using home remedies. So hair care products really did not exist on the market at all. Um, people who were wealthy enough had a personal ladies maid or a barber or like their um, valet if you're, if you're a male they would be able to do their hair so they have those skills they create their own home remedies um, and they took those two houses into their family into the families that they worked for so that's how a lot of times high end styles were being developed they were really just being developed at home by these servants which is really amazing to know that like you know just like you know Servant, servants in all different factions all over, the, all over the Western world were the ones really creating and putting the groundworks for like culture and the things that we engage in every day. Um, but nonetheless, um, Madam C.J. Walker created the idea that we need to take care of our hair. So one of the things that she discovered uh, was the reason, one of the main reasons why... I, I see. One of the main reasons why <laughs> she realized that her hair was falling out was the fact that people really at this time, because people weren't washing as often as we do now, people at this time really weren't washing their hair pretty much at all. They weren't really taking care of their hair. They didn't really pay attention to what their hair was doing and what it meant to have healthy hair. And one of the things Madam C.J. Walker started doing was washing her hair more frequently. She also started washing her hair with creams and balms that included sulfur. And sulfur is a mineral that does... Um, I want to say stimulate the scalp. Um, a lot of people take that. It's out of like products nowadays because we just find that it's actually much more damaging to the scalp. But at the time, people believe that stimulate the scalp, and it does, but it's still very intense on the scalp, and you don't want to necessarily wash your hair with that nowadays. I personally do not, so that's why I have this beautiful hair. I'll take a picture of it and show it to you guys every day so you can look at it and think about CJ Walker. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, people, other people were developing skincare and hair care products. Uh, Helena, Helena Rubinstein, really famous woman in beauty and created the beauty industry, especially for white women across the, across the world. Um, she was also becoming a pioneer and you just found this woman's name, my dear, lovely researcher. And Ooh, thank you. Annie, iPhone. Annie Tur Turnbow Malone. Is that yes, the one? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Who is kind of like Madam C.J. Walker's rival because she also had her own methods, her own products, and was also creating a huge industry in the business on black women's hair care. I would say more <coughs> contemporary than a, a, a rival because she's definitely doing, she seems to be more focused on the chemistry, like shampoos, straightening hair, scalp treatments and shit. That's exactly what Madam C.J. Walker was doing, though. It's different. You have different ways. We have different hair types. 
Are we going to get into it right now? We don't have to, but I'm just saying. <laughs> you have different hair types. Because I was like in the sulfur thing, girl. That's just That was just a... Well, I mean, people that also was put... That time. I Conkaline, mean, come on. We, we were damaging our hair a long time for I was, I was assimilation. Say, I was going to say, people were also putting like arsenic on their face, so... <laughs> trial and error. Trial and error. <laughs> trial, trial, lot of error. Trial and error. Trial and error. So, Madam C.J. Walker, in her early life, um, was born, as we know, Sarah Breedlove in the Delta, Louisiana. Her parents, Owen and Minerva, were recently freed slaves, and Sarah, who was Madam C.J. Walker, Sarah who was their fifth child, was the first in her family to be born free. So that's a huge deal, the fact that she actually did not ever have to necessarily go into servitude in that sense. Minerva Breedlove died, sadly, in 1874, which was not too long after Sarah was born, um, and Owen passed away the following year, both due to unknown causes, leaving Sarah an orphan at the age of seven. After her parents' passing, Sarah was sent to live with her sister, Luvinia. Best names ever, by the way. Minerva and Luvinia. Totally naming my children that. Um, <laughs> and her brother and her brother-in-law. The three moved to Vicksburg, Mississippi in 1877, where Sarah picked cotton and was likely employed doing household work, although no documentation exists verifying her employment at the time. This is very interesting because like, this is also... This is that now that generation of children that are being born during Reconstruction at the root, that like end of slavery, the roots of Reconstruction. And as society is changing, like these kids are growing up, it's like being born like in the 1950s and then growing up in the 60s almost. You know what I mean? Like you are seeing like the most tumultuous change in America happening, social, political. What is this face now? What is this face? Do you not think change is happening during Reconstruction? I mean, I Should we call Henry Louis Gates? I mean, I, I, I can see where you're going with that, but I would never compare construct, Reconstruction to the 1950s and 60s. Well, I mean... I mean, we're still dealing with, like, the aftermath of people being freed for, as slaves. Well, yeah, but the thing <laughs> is that, no, actually, yes. I mean, Reconstruction was one of the most pivotal times in American politics and socially. That's However, also usually not taught in schools because of what it actually signifies for And America. that is why my school at the, at, with Professor Noir is way different. And I'm going to be telling you all the stories. She's here to listen. She wants to know about oh, Reconstruction. Oh, okay. I was like, wow, she's really <laughs> Um <laughs> But it was actually the most pivotal time. This is when African Americans, in a very fast way, were seeing exponential growth. We elected... I want to say like 13 representatives to Congress mm-hmm. by the 1870s, black representatives to Congress. This is right after the Civil War was over. Um, we were in the midst of really breaking away from a servant, like a slave nation, finally, economically, even though the Civil War had done much damage to that to like break us away from that. But we were really about to get away from that. There was a lot of, I will say, oh God, it's so hard because like there's, that, that period is so, so dense. And I literally just finished watching, I mentioned it before, the Henry Louis Gates documentary about Reconstruction. It's really, really good. And I think everyone should watch it. It is so fucking dense. Because every single year from, the eight, from 1865 up until 1905, every single year something crazy happened. Something yeah. different was happening. So it was actually like the 60s. It was con- in incredibly tumultuous so much political change violent change as well and a lot of social change a lot of social change and i think for someone like madam cj walker to grow up in that and actually see african americans get to a level very quickly when they could not at all Mm -hmm. um and succeed for a lot of african americans like i 
I would imagine like that would have been, I don't know, I don't want to say inspiring, but for the lack of a better phrase, inspiring, or it at least gives you something to look forward to, something that you can work, that you can work towards. The only thing I'm going to say is I think that we cannot discount that she's coming out of, she's pretty much coming out of slavery. Yeah, I'm not discounting that. I, I'm not discounting that at all. Hold on. No, yeah, yeah. No, we're getting into it right now. This is us fighting you guys. Hold on. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is people coming out of the Civil War and people coming out of World War II mm-hmm. had two different mindsets coming on. We're also this, or we, we can't dismiss that Jim Crow laws happened. Many oppressive laws happened in between that time. So that's my only thing. I get where you're going, but I can't discount like what it means for black Americans in the 50s and 60s. Versus what happens in the late 1800s. Exactly. No, I'm not. I'm not discounting that at all. What I'm saying this is this is actually, more for the listener to make sure when because I will definitely send this to somebody later when they're like, "What are you doing with your hair? What is the history of this?" I'm just going to send them this episode and be like, "I already talked to you about that one time, <laughs> and I'm never doing it again." Google it. Literally, <laughs> Google it. So I want to say as well that this actually. No, because I was looking at something about Jim Crow and I was going to like comment on that is that I'm not discounting any of that. Mm-hmm. I'm saying through all of that, mm-hmm. through all of that, African-Americans made so much advancement within that short oh, period absolutely. of time. The fact that we created universities, full on institutions that are still not only alive, but thriving to this day. Mm-hmm. That is what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm not discounting all that. I'm saying through all of that. I know you know that. Yeah. But do your listener know that? Well, now I'm we no, do. do. No, no. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I just think it's really no, important because like, yeah. just as, as dynamic and interesting as our history is with our hair, so is the reason why we've been able to thrive and like persevere so much. Exactly. In so many different uh, political regimes and climates. Like we're always going to find a way to thrive. Exactly. Well, I mean... Case in point, someone like Madam C.J. Walker, by the, by the time she was 14, she was married. She's a whole baby orphan. Yeah, How yeah. are you killing the game? Yeah, yeah. That's what I say. By the time she was 14, <laughs> she, by the time she was 14, she had finally left her home because she was, uh, said to, she was apparently being abused by her um, brother-in-law. I'm not even surprised. No. Trash. So being, being abused by her brother-in-law. By the time she was 14, she was married. By the time she was 20, she was a widow and a mother. Did she take her? She took her husband's whole ass name. That's why she's Madam C.J. Walker. Yes, exactly. That's, yes, it's really. Well, I'm glad you said that because I was about to say that. Yeah, <laughs> but that's what I mean. It's just like ta- that's what you just said about creating something literally in the face of like complete and utter oppression. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a woman who really is at the bottom of the totem pole as a single black woman, especially dark skinned black woman. Mm-hmm. And a mother, widowed, she created. She creates something out of nothing. Um, she, she could have been a whole fuck it, and everybody would have been like, you know what? I get it. I, I get know. It. Like, you're like, you're like, I'm just over all of this. You're leaving me speechless, actually, right now, too. It's all of your, all of your CJ Walker power is like leaving me speechless right now. I'm being thrown off my game over I'm here. Sorry. I'm supposed to bring comedy commentary. Right? I know this is a fashion comedy history podcast and you are just making me laugh and not think about the history <laughs> um but nonetheless so madam cj walker like i said before um became a widow at the age of 20 
took pretty much her husband's whole entire name and reinvented herself. Reinvented herself to go out into the workforce when every single door and every single wall was closing you I'm in and boxing you in. That's what I'm laughing at. She's like Diddy yeah. in the 90s. Yeah. Just changing her name. She's like, you know what? I'm a different person now. Sorry. Well, I mean, but that's what I mean. It's just like talk about black people reinventing ourselves and we have to. Like, this is a clear example of doing some shit like that. As we said before, unless we, unless we not, and I mean, like, we don't, and it, we, we can never mention it not enough, mm-hmm. but the fact that there were federal laws in place to stop black people, no matter if you're a man or a woman, from moving forward in life. Yeah. From even buying property or even owning your own name half the time. And the fact that. Thriving. She, yeah. So the fact that she even did this it's not even like anyone gave her anything to and also which i think is really interesting because of jim crow and i we also forgot to mention this this is one of the things that made it so profound and why she did what she did um because of jim crow african-americans because of the oppression were sequestered into their own neighborhoods so we then had to create an economy within our own spaces redlining Go. I mean, yeah. please. You brought that term up. Please. Yeah. So redlining is when uh, people would redistrict. Well, they still do it. Uh, you redistrict <coughs> communities. Exactly. So that black people were not able to live in certain communities. Exactly. Which was really funny because then we had Black Wall Street, which they ended up burning down. Because it was like, nicer. It was nice. And, you know, black people and were clean. just living. <laughs> it rat was, free. Yeah. Living. It was nice, clean and rat free. <laughs> You know, but they pretty much I, like y'all are going to Anacostia, but whatever. Yeah, like, but that's the thing. It's like that redlining is still happens. It happens all over the not only in this country, but all over the Western world. I'll just say the Western world. I don't know about anywhere else, but I know it happens there. And um, because of that, black people had to create their own economies, pretty much, mm-hmm. um, and they became very successful economies. I mean, huge institutions and businesses were found out of these. The idea of really like community working where your business became, was not like, for instance, when we talk about the salon or like the barbershop, those were places of community, yes, but it wasn't just that. It was just a place where people just came and talked and had a good time and they can be whoever. They can be whoever the fuck they want to at home. Like, yeah. <laughs> they didn't have to go to a salon to do that. It was the fact that it also was a safe space so that people can come to for either job opportunities, for businesses, for connections to other businesses. Your barber, your black barbers have always been your community leaders. Exactly. Uh, if you go back to the history of like black barbers, you know, grooming their masters and being the closest to that person, it's always garnered a lot of trust within the black community. Exactly. I am the granddaughter of a barber mm. who he was, <laughs> actually it's kind of funny. My grandfather owned a barber shop in West Virginia for like 30 or 40 years. Wow. Very, very big in the community. Yeah. And they also had a radio show, which is another funny thing. Yeah. Um, so. Looks, uh, following the roots. I, following I, the I, roots. Honestly, you, you just keep, <laughs> we keep doing the same, same thing. Like, uh, yeah, like it's, it's always garnished a lot of like leadership and, you know, community. Yeah. It does. Well, because, uh, yes, you are, so yes, the black bar like that that's one example. Um the church is another example of being a hub of business um for the black community because it's not just going to sanctuary, worshiping God on a Sunday, going home and da da da. The church is an ongoing business. It is It's a safe place to network for black people. people. Yeah. Yeah, to create programs, to create clubs, um 
to create, you know, then go from there and fund learning institutions and colleges like Hampton and Spelman and Morehouse and Howard. And these are just a few, literally a few that I've named out of the many that sprung up all over this country. Those are surviving. That And that are surviving yeah. and still thriving. Thriving, yeah. Um, so, Madam C.J. Walker, one, like, Jim Crow was fucking horrible and I'm gonna just say it like that Jim Crow is one of the most fucked up things this country has ever done um, along with the other fucked up things this country (laughs) still does um, to African Americans but and some historians do argue with this with other historians because I remember this I remember this coming up in some of my old classes um, way back in the day um, but that it was also one of the best things that ever happened to black people at that time because it allowed black people to actually create an identity amongst themselves and a language and create business and job opportunities for themselves that they would have never have gotten had it been different, which in a way I understand what that is, what that means. So they're basically trying to say you only get diamonds from pressure. Mm, whoa. Thank you. Sh- uh, I, like- you <laughs> shut up. Take over my show over here with these <laughs> pearls of I'm wisdom. Just saying, you only get diamonds from pressure. Like, that's why they're afraid of us, man. That's ooh, That's I just felt that. You hate us because we ain't us. You, I felt that in my midriff. How you top. cut diamonds with diamonds? Okay, that's true. That's true. How you cut? How you cut diamonds with diamonds? With diamonds. <laughs> Can you please sit down the t-shirt <laughs> and wear that the next time you come back in a couple of months? Like that's the new look. Loose knees. You cut diamonds with diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um, so within this black community Madam C.J. Walker could create and really make a business um, that also responded to this community when no one else responded to this community one of the things she also did that separated her from a lot of other business owners and made her incredibly successful not just within New York or down south or in small communities but not only nationwide internationally she created what was called the Walker Agent now, y'all know about an Avon woman, the Avon lady. Mm-hmm. This is before that. This is the start of that. No one else was doing this. Where she trained other employees, she trained other female employees to sell, to work with the products, to then sell the products door to door. They would then recruit other employees and train those employees and so on and so forth. We say, is she a feminist? Oh, she was the most feminist. Her business mm. was only women. Only women. Beautiful. And I must, I'm going to even post this on my personal Facebook page because it's one of the most proud pictures I've ever seen in my entire life. But it is of all of her employees in this huge conference she would do every year. She invited all of the Walker agents. And also to be a Walker agent back in the day was a very proud thing to be. Like, that was a serious thing. Like, it was like being a Chanel girl. That you sounds know? dangerous as shit. Back <laughs> the day. I'm sorry. Like, all the people out there just acting crazy. But see, no, that's... There's the no cell phones. Like, I don't know what's happening. But, but see, the thing is, is like, Walker agents, they... They weren't conducting business in, like, a dangerous way. You know what I mean? These are women going door-to-door to homes. So you had this... You had a certain thing, though, because mm. you had these beautiful black women going to black homes, showing them how to be beautiful. Have you ever canvassed before? <laughs> I'm just saying, going door-to-door is already scary. Door, yes, going door-to-door, like, today is terrifying. Going door-to-door in the 1800s as a black woman being like, let me fix your hair... I'm you liable to get shot, like for real. But it Coming was like, at my door, tell me I look like shit. 
I mean, like, I would, <laughs> you might catch some hands you or might. some hot grits. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, one of the two. <laughs> I wish you would throw a plate of grits at the <laughs> Open the door and just throw grits it's at just people. Bad as shit. <laughs> I can't with you anymore. You're not allowed to come back with too many laughs. It's too might catch hands or a plate of hot grits. I can't with you. Well, <laughs> sorry, I, just I didn't mean disrupt the class. Oh my god! Oh my god! So, <laughs> okay, so I'm just gonna read a little thing about the Walker agents so that you can get a little bit more reference into who they okay. are, Allison. Um, <coughs> pardon me, it's the plague. It's my kennel cough. <laughs> Walker agents. As the profits continued to grow in the 1908, Walker opened a factory and beauty school in Pittsburgh. By 1910, when Walker transferred her business operations to Indianapolis, the Madam C.J. Walker Manufacturing Company had become widely successful with profits that were the modern-day equivalent of several million dollars. In Indianapolis, the company not only manufactured cosmetics, but also trained sales beauticians. These Walker agents became well-known through black communities in the United States. In turn, they promoted Walker's philosophy of cleanliness and loveliness as a means of advancing the statue, the status of African-Americans, which is very, very interesting. And I want to talk about that statement before we go. Because mm-hmm. we're rounding to the end of the class, but this is very, very interesting. You, as an African-American person, woman, male, growing up in your household, how important was cleanliness? Um, well, I wash my legs in the shower, if that, no- <laughs> if that gives you any indication. Because apparently no one washes apparently their legs. Apparently nobody washes their legs, but I wash my legs. Yeah. Uh, I have two different scrubs and a loofah. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty fucking clean. Yeah. Like, I'm, I mean, like my pores have never been cleaner. Um, and that's really interesting. And a lot of people, it's funny because like, I went, to, I, went, I went to Sarah Lawrence, which is my friend's favorite joke about me when we do drag shows. Um, I went to Sarah Lawrence. It's a predominantly white school. Everyone is super fucking rich. Everyone has fucking maids and shit like that. Not actually in school, but we were like two steps away from having maids in school, I honestly have to say. If they raised their tuition another $10,000, we would have totally had maids. Um, but it was funny because I really noticed for a lot of white kids, I'm just going to say like that, a lot of white American kids... Cleanliness was not like it was in my like. It was an objective. It wasn't. A, yeah, like <laughs> you didn't like, have to be. Clean. Yeah, like they were just like, oh, why are you washing your jeans? I only wash my jeans once every two years. I'm like, that's really fucked up. Um, there's a lot of spirits in those legs now. Like, I went to college with a guy one time. We were he just moved into our like his first apartment or something. Yeah, and he was like, I just want to see how long I don't have to shower. He didn't shower for three months. He smelled like sour eggs. And here's the thing. People still fucked him. And I was like, wow, the white privilege. That's the first time I realized white privilege was real. Because if I smell like sour eggs. Literally like a dead body. They'd be like, you dirty monkey. All this other crazy shit. Just like super racist. Because that was pretty much where she was probably going to go to. (laughs) It's like, they're going to be like, listen, they're going to call you all sorts of shit. You might as well just be clean. <laughs> you really should do a drunk history soon. <laughs> like you're really doing it. I'm not it. even drunk. I'm like, just, I'm just... I know. Like this is not, you're just p- slightly pilled up. But I'm not joking. <laughs> I wish. No, but that's but it is true though. It's interesting because 
you do, ha- you do as an African American person, you see this other element happening, but then in your own home, cleanliness is like not even close to godliness. God comes after cleanliness almost, <laughs> like you know. And I could never imagine growing up like that. <laughs> but then I think about the history, though, and this is where that this is part of where that comes from, mm-hmm. where it's like for us to advance, for us to be taken seriously, we must show ourselves as beautiful and clean and perfect all the time and so we even think about black women's hair going back to the original subject of all this mm-hmm. of having your hair neat and tamed and like we have to get you right you know what i mean because that is the idea of getting cleanliness and loveliness yeah she's so progressive it That's is such, it's, that was so brilliant we, it is progressive and it, not to interrupt you, mm-hmm. but I want to like mention a certain other point um, for a lot of, for people who may not know, but a lot of like major beauty schools like Aveda or Paul Mitchell, um, these big beauty brands, they have their salons, but they also have beauty schools. This is the start of all of that. Yeah, because she inspired the what's the other the black hair hair school? It's not Murray's, is it? Murray's, I think you're talking about Murray's. Yeah, they had one of the biggest hair care schools yeah. in the United States yeah. uh, and one of the first. Yeah. You know, this is the start of all that and I just, I, I bring these stories up. It's not just because like I'm African American I want to talk only about African American history. I bring these stories up about all different kinds of people who have been marginalized throughout history mm-hmm. who not only through their achievements but their achievements in fashion and beauty have really transformed how we think of ourselves how our world runs. Mm-hmm. You know, how we as even black people or marginalized people can say, oh, no, I how dare there not be a product for me? We actually have that privilege now of saying how like I remember going I went to the CVS last year down on P Street and I could not find a single ounce of makeup by Black Opal or Black Radiance or any of like any brown makeup. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, excuse me, black people still live in this neighborhood. You and need to get have- some black makeup. That are affordable. Yeah, so now. look beautiful, yes. Now. I was like, that is ridiculous. And I'm pretty sure that's not the first time they heard something like that. But the fact that I can go into a store and be outraged by the fact that they don't have the option for me goes to show you what this woman and so many other, especially women in this country, because even Helena Rubinstein, Jewish woman, created a beauty industry and did not have the means either. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. The fact that so many women created can give us choices, gave us choices still to this day that are long lasting. I mean, you know, hats, wigs off to Madam CJ Walker, bitch. Yes. Wigs off. Do you have any final comments? Because you're making that face as if you do. I don't know. I, didn't know, I was like, where, where should I jump in? There were so many things. There were so many things. It's just things. a loaded statement. Well, I guess, like, to contrast what you said, you said not just because we're. You know, you're not speaking for all marginalized people. I'm just speaking for me as a black woman. Yeah. I don't get many times to be on a microphone to talk about the things that I experience. Y'all want to know how my woke, how deep my wokeness is? (laughs) Like, it's a fucking ocean. Like, it is the universe. It is everything. Like, we have so many, we have so few opportunities to represent ourselves well Mm -hmm. and to be represented well and to create create opportunities for ourselves and our community and madam cj walker did that all with one simple thing just taking care of her hair she's like yeah. i'm gonna take care of myself first yeah, yeah. i'm gonna self-care and then I'm, we're gonna thrive and we're gonna thrive that's, that's what, it is, what it is before we go i'm gonna say one more thing there was an episode um, of this show on Fox it's called The Resident I only watched it because Emily Van Camp is in and I love that white bitch because she be doing it on some fucking roles because she was in she was in Revenge she was on One Tree Hill 
She's always been doing it for me ever since the C, ever since the WB. I'm I've been following her. her. She's good. She's really good. Okay. But in there's a one episode I watched. And it was like an episode that came out like two months ago. But I just end up catching it now because I like to watch reruns or just old episodes of shit because <laughs> I'm late. Um, but it was about how this young um, African American woman went into the hospital. She had a C-section. It was a little tricky, but she was fine. And then as she was in recovery and like with her baby and her husband. Um, her husband noticed the doctor, first doctor, um, Dr. Pravesh noticed that there's blood in her catheter. Mm-hmm. Then the white doctor that delivered the baby was just like, it's fine because she just had surgery. Then the husband was just like, she's having stomach pains. They're really killing her. And all the white nurses did not even give him the time of day. They kept saying, it's fine. It's fine. This is what's supposed to happen. It's fine. Um, and eventually the woman died of severe um, bleeding like internal bleeding Mm -hmm. i know this is not like a happy note to like leave something on but it just goes back to the fact that like we need to think about what you're saying as an african-american woman and what you experience it reminded me of the fact that someone told me this um a while ago and i didn't even really like follow up on it because usually someone gives me a fact or a piece of information i like to read about it the fact that like the mortality rates for black women when it comes to giving birth in this country is Mm -hmm. still way too fucking high and it makes no sense. And it never really dawned on me. And then I saw that episode and kind of like the trajectory, kind of even though it was a even though it was a fictional story, just that trajectory of like how that could possibly happen. That's not a truly fictional story. That's but that's kind of, I mean. That's kind of what happened to Serena Williams. Yes. Exactly. But she has money, so there's But that. they literally said that at the end of the episode though. Yeah. And who the episode was about and what it was inspired by and who that woman was. And I just started reading more yesterday about it. And it really broke my heart that, you know, like this could have been my own mother. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I'm almost about to cry saying this, but like, I, I really hope that we can live in a country where we do not allow women to die when we have complete and utter medical power to make sure that, that doesn't happen. Like, we need to stop. <laughs> support your local Planned Parenthood. Please support your local Planned Parenthood. Yeah. So please, please support the advancement in women's health care. Please, please do that because there's so much we don't know. If you want me to go into the history about why we don't fucking know it, I'll tell you this little tidbit. Doctors could not look under women below women's dresses under the, below their neck until 1905. Loose knees. I'm telling you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for bringing back the loose knees and keeping it light. Keeping it light. Circles. Um, Yeah, circles. (laughs) But, you know, I just want to leave, I always like to leave people with a little tidbit of information, sometimes happy, sometimes sad, sometimes thought-provoking. So please think about that. Um, And we will be back again with another episode of the Beauty Archeo, your fashion history comedy podcast. I'm your host, Professor Noir, and this is my special guest, Masterclass Extraordinaire, Allison Lane. Thank you so much for having me. I'm definitely excited to have you back at another time. Yeah, we're going to talk about hemlines next time you come back in a couple months. (laughs) Hemlines. I'm here for it. Loose knees, loose (laughs) knees, people. Have Have a good weekend. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. 
you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at FullServiceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.